This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Adrian, not Jake. And with me, as always, are my esteemed colleagues, co-hosts, and cohorts. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as easy as it looks, is it? No. Jake and Doug, boys, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Never send a woman to do a man's job. Sorry, I had to. And I can even pull something in that, too. Uh, do I look like a daisy to you? <laughs> How's it going, everybody? I've never been introed before on this show. It feels pretty erotic. Well, this is uh, our Valentine's episode, I think, right? Or a good VD, venereal disease day here. Oh, so we got to save it. So very erotic. You oh. should be welcoming that eroticness, Jake. I actually once dated a girl who, after me, went back. She had slept with the guy who played Auto Rocket and then went back to it. And so she had texted me on Valentine's Day one year and I just said, re- replied and I was like, enjoy your VD. And he called me and called me a bunch of homophobic slurs at like three in the morning yelling at me. Uh, it was very fun. So the, the VD venereal disease thing is is very close to my heart. Maybe we should edit that out so that I don't get sued by auto rocket. Eh, fuck him. Yeah, woogity woogity fuck boy come after me. Yeah, better than being the, uh, what were they call us? The, 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 the vegetable boys or whatever the review was on here. Bugman. <laughs> uh, Bugman, yeah. Veggie Ben. I don't know what that was from. So Adrian, what movie are we doing this week? Oh, this week we are doing Return of the Living Dead Part 3. Ooh. Yay. Mm. You guys, the looks on your faces say it all. Well, I was talking to Doug uh, before we started recording and this movie is like a great introduction to a new world and I just want the sequel like I want them to have like this already established and move on you know because it ends with the best stuff and then it's just basically thrown away and I'm like god damn it like I want exosuit zombies you fucks not five seconds of it I want the whole thing so you know then you get was it rave to the grave in necropolis which just forget all that I'm like how do you not imagine this scenario let me, let me paint a picture for you aliens get away from her you bitch when Ripley's in the power load, but there's a zombie inside of it who's like, you bitch. That's that's the movie I want. This is this is some good stuff here. No, no, I, I I see where you're saying because I feel like this movie has the best of both worlds. It has a very good sci-fi element that I think that I want. I just want to say, boys, I'm not saying I'm not trying to be sexist when I say this, but I think that most of the guys would uh, enjoy it. But you know, for me, when I watch it, I like the love story. So obviously, there's like a different take. I mean, I could give two fucks about the whole science part about it, but that's just me. The funny thing about you saying that you like the love story is I actually love the portion where she's basically betrayed by him and she's like, why did you do this to me where it's not a love story? In fact, I'm disappointed that it goes back to being a love story because I find it way more interesting a la Bride of Frankenstein where it's like, you've made me into a monster. I never consented to this. This is awful. But then she's like, but that D is sweet. So let me go on back. Shame. Well, she had no choice. She threw herself off the ledge and he came and got her. So, I mean, she had no choice. Where else is she going to fucking go? So how uh, Jake mentioned, too, that this film, like, you wish you could expand on it, like, in the next film. I feel like that's just kind of the mythos of The Return of the Living Dead in a nutshell, because the first one is one of my favorite films. And then when they end with that explosion, you know what I mean? When they're they're nuking the city. When part two came around, I didn't see part two until a lot later in my, you know, growing up. And uh, I like, honestly, like just looking from the back cover and stuff, I wanted it to be right after the first one. Like what happens right after that? There's so much they could have went, but they instead they went with the Michael Jackson's thriller, you know, monster, monster squad uh, uh, riff on it. So I don't, it's just weird. And I, whoa, why did you say that? Do not besmirch (laughs) monster squad by comparing it to return of the living dead part two. Okay. That is sacrilege. That movie is a bucket of dicks. Adam asked us what our opinions was. And I said, that movie can fuck off. And he tried to like bring it back. And I was like, no, I'm doubling down. Return of the Living Dead Part 2 can fuck off. I feel like it's a love-hate relationship with that movie because I like it because of the the zombies. uh, You know, like I said, Michael Jackson's thriller was probably the biggest inspiration. But the director of that film didn't understand the humor. You know, it made the first one. The first one was its dark humor. This one's just like, oh, let's turn him into Goofy and and add some like, uh, you know, zombie hands giving the middle finger. Yeah. And let's, let's take some tropes from Evil Dead 2. I think the kids actually hurt the film. I think having kids in it hurt it. A hundred percent. Because they're like all this, like they drag the energy down and it's just not fun. And you're they're just like kind of annoying. But the biggest thing, like you said, is, is the sense of humor and the sensibility of the movie is just off. Like what makes the first one super funny is like if you. 
everybody knows someone like trash. Everybody knows these like character types. So to see them kind of almost all get their comeuppance in a different way is so vindicate. As a guy who used to work at Hot Topic, seeing the edgy chick be like, oh, actually, I don't want this. Oh, is yeah, kind exactly. Of the and the thing is, even like with like the workers like Bert and Frank, you know all of them. And the thing is, what's so funny about the humor is that it really just the characters don't see themselves as in a comedy. Like the characters are in a serious situation, like the whole trioxin thing with them opening up in the in the factory. You know, they're all in serious situations. You're laughing at their reactions to it. They're not they're not winking at the camera like in part two. You know what I mean? I don't even remember part two. I see, I saw it years ago. Couldn't even tell you what happens. So if I don't even remember it, I don't feel like it was that great. This one, I uh, well, I don't want to say it's better than part one, but I almost, I'd watch it. I've seen it more times than part one for whatever reason. So yeah, this one definitely strips out the comedy because you watch it again and it's just like, man, this is just doom and gloom for these characters, Julie and Kurt. And it, it's just, it's, so it's kind of depressing. Yeah, yeah. it is. It, it is. And you actually <laughs> like them. Um, I'm like, man, I want these two to go on and have have a, a good happy life but you know you know it's like well they're gonna end up burning anyway there's no way they're gonna escape this so just it's kind of like you see a love a love relationship just going as down south as you can and you can't help but feel bad for those characters i feel like the subtitle for this movie or, or whatever the tagline should have been like true love never dies or whatever because i like the fact that like when they die in the embrace i, I like to think there's just like that extra tag at the end like at the end of the first one where their vapor goes up and then rains down onto like two lovers like sitting and having a date and so it's like their love zombism would infect oh, that would the next generation so sweet that is so sweet i didn't even think about that I am a hopeless romantic. I'll have you know. see. They probably could have expanded on that and done stuff like that because I, I was watching the the uh, the making of after the movie and they only had six weeks to shoot this entire movie and there's a lot of special effects. So and it's a Brian Yuzna film and it definitely feels like it. So in fact, I, I have this in my notes too. I definitely felt like this film feels more like a reanimator style film than Return of the Living Dead. Bing, 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 a hundred percent. And so you touched on that. Yuzna had done Bride of Reanimator. And so anywhere you look up trivia on this movie, you keep seeing that he was disappointed by the lack of the bride in that movie. And he tried to rectify that with Julie in this movie. And if you look at this movie in the Bride of Reanimator franchise instead of the Return of the Living Dead franchise, I think that this movie works a lot better because the tone, like we were talking about, doesn't fit the first Return of the Living Dead. It's a little too serious. And the, the style of humor, if it is humor, is like a little bit more like bit parts, you know, like the the zombie who like rips his own face off and stuff. It's kind of like the shockiness of the reanimated version. So I, when I was watching this, I completely just dissociated and I found I enjoyed it much more on the rewatch thinking of it in that vein. What about you guys? Yeah, I was going to say it definitely holds its own. Like you can watch this and it can be its own standalone film. And but one thing I'd like to mention too is I've, I've had that old Lionsgate DVD for years and I just came to the realization that it was cut. So I ended up buying the Blu-ray and the Blu-ray is completely uncut and it just blew my mind. It made me like it, you know, 10 times more because I'm like, man, this is this is this is definitely reanimator style gore, but more so on, on the violence, like not necessarily the gore, but I, I was watching like, man, this movie's really fucking violent. Like the, the Asian guy who owns the store, he gets happy his head blown off and then he shoves a yeah. wrought iron pole up a cop's face and then they get a shot and it's not in the dvd it's on the it's on the uncut blu-ray there's a shot of the um the asian guy with his head all missing on the floor and if you if you screenshotted that it would look like something from hood site you know where it's like oh you know dead body found and, yeah. and then like man this looks like a real crime scene photo yeah even dan was was annoyed with me because i was we were eating dinner and he's like how the fuck are you watching this we're trying to eat and i'm like it doesn't phase me like that if you weren't used to watching it's it yummy <laughs> like it's gonna be and exactly like you're, you're saying, it is. It does feel standalone. I remember watching it on TV as a kid, and I never associated it with part one. I guess maybe I didn't understand that they were all together. I don't know. But I always thought this was his own movie. And I, obviously, when I got older, I started to realize that, oh, this is part of the trilogy. Or, and then there's actually five of them. Yeah, you're not missing the other much. Two. Yeah. Never saw the other no, two. Don't. I got four for free, and I kept it for three years before I finally watched it. And I was like, man, that even for free, I felt ripped off. On the topic of... H.P. Lovecraft. It's amazing the amount of things that Lovecraft was afraid of. When you look at it, he was afraid of fucking everything, including his own shadow, the Arctic, tentacles, ancient languages, all this stuff. And all that finds its way into the, his works. And then when you look at you know this movie with the zombies, with the exoskeletons, and you look at Bride of Reanimator, she kind of has a pseudo exoskeleton in that. 
if I ever got to ask Brian Yuzna a question, the first one would be like, are you super like fucking afraid of RoboCop and stuff where there's like dead stuff in robots? Because yeah, that seems to be your all, thing. a lot of his because oh, I mean, Brian Yuzna mostly does and same as Stu- Stuart Gordon. They all kind of work together and they do the HP Lovecraft stuff. So I don't know if it was yep. modeled really after all that. I'm because I'm sure like with that whole six week shooting schedule for this, they knew exactly what they wanted. So obviously, like he planned it. It's like, oh, we're going to make exoskeleton robot kind of come to life. And the thing is, too, like this, um, the, the Julie character. Yeah. When, when she's sticking all those pins and needles inside of her, you know, that's that seems to be a Brian Yuzna thing. He must get a, a chub for, you know, that like the the, the piercings and stuff. Because uh, when I was watching this, I even made notes. I'm like, damn, Pinhead would walk in and he'd say, damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like like when she first, uh, re- when she does that fi- that reveal when she finally has like the rock in her hand and uh she has all the stuff and she's about to kill i just named him essay because he's always like what do you say to me essay when she comes out it's like she just walked out of the changing yeah. room of a hot topic <laughs> yeah 100 percent. so adrian do you want to walk us through the statistics on this one i looked up the movie in several different places and <laughs> I, I noticed that it was two million dollar budget which is okay but then it only grossed fifty four thousand. did you find anything else because three different places said fifty four thousand. i'm like that can't be right is that right no i was just saying uh so yeah with that documentary i watched on here it did it did bomb at the box office and because basically what happened is when when this released um it released during the there was like big malibu fires a bunch of houses burned up in the malibu mountains and stuff and you know the the big premiere was supposed to be there with all this news coverage all this press and instead of covering the you know the release of return of the living dead 3 on red carpet night uh all the news people were up in malibu catching the fire so this film really went uh, a lot of people didn't know it came out and also i think it's a lot of damage from two if this was the sequel i think that a lot of people would be more jazzed on it but part two is such a huge letdown like i don't mind that this is different i mind that i think that two just tonally was so frustrating to me that like to see this one this is what should have been that sequel yeah, I agree. I mean, I like I said, I don't even remember part two, but this is just like the first one. It has an entire, you know, world around it behind the scenes. So like there's this whole like conspiracy with the vapor and this and that, the military. And, and I just, even though it revolves around these two kids, I really feel that it has this, I don't know, just has something about it that's just interesting. Like you're following these people through, but there's all of this background stuff going on too at the same time. So you understand why these zombies are happening. You understand why she's she's turning into what she's turning into. And it's it's just really touching that she's trying so hard not to kill him this entire time yet she doesn't really seem to care if anybody else either that she's eating so i find that pretty fun and yeah essay the essay guy is he really hispanic i did i wrote his name down because i'm like this is ridiculous how many times is he gonna say that yeah he says essay it's like uh, in fact later on not to spoil things but later on when he turns into that zombie he's basically just saying puta madre eso madre cabron like it's just like man when you're a zombie that's all you say is esa puta madre cabron that was pretty funny like when they're banging on the door to break down the um the barricade that's all he's screaming i thought it was hilarious that's like the only things people learn in spanish are the swear words right and that's what this guy's yelling like is he really hispanic is it really saying that but i'm sorry well well, it's more like east la slang so this guy's like his character type in movies mike moroff is the hispanic guy like he was in La Bamba and Desperado and stuff. So, of course, I know who he is because he was in Robocop and I'm obsessed with Robocop. So they referred to him as Mophead in that movie. But you'll remember he's just he yells a lot and gets beat the fuck down, which I love. Yeah, he was the guy that raids the uh, the, the the old people convenience store, right? When he bends them yeah, the, and then throws them and then does the whole safe. Why didn't we watch that? Oh, sorry. We keep going. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so the opening weekend, and we were talking about this before this movie actually came out in October, like around Halloween. Imagine that doing a horror movie in the month of October. I know. So I, I just thought that was hilarious. And then, you know, of course, we saw the competition. And when I was looking this up, I'm like, Bull Runnings came out in October of all time. <laughs> right? Like at the at the earliest, I'd expect November, right? You, you think cold, you think, I don't know. I don't know. I thought it'd be like a summer movie because they're, well, they're in Jamaica, I guess, because of the cold. Oh, so when did we have, when does Olympics start? They start in November? I don't know. I only watched one winter or I watched two Olympic sports that are in the winter curling and of course hockey. Yeah, it's a winter sport. So you never watch the bobsled. It's so fun. I only watch it when people's asses come out of their skin tight little suits. You ever see that? The best. (laughs) 
now. <laughs> when they're doing yeah. the feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme, their butthole is like comes out of the seam. You've never seen those? There's like 50 videos online. It's no. usually when you like bend over to open the washing machine, but that's yeah. Pornhub stuff. So yeah, then you get stuck inside, and your stepbrother's like, "Hey, what's going on here? Help me, stepbrother! Yeah, I need help making ice." <laughs> so yeah, other movies that came out around this: Beverly Hillbillies, The Nightmare Before Christmas, and I will say this: I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't care if you're the director of that movie, Mr. Selleck. What pisses me off when people say that's a Halloween movie. It is not. It is a Christmas movie. And it's stupid and foolhardy to say that it is a Halloween movie when the climax of the film takes place on Christmas, goddammit. So it shouldn't have been November. It should have been December. And this movie can suck my D's nuts. I like that movie, but my point is. For the Nightmare Before Christmas, you're saying it's a, it's a Christmas movie. It is absolutely a Christmas movie. That's what you're saying. Christmas is in the title of the movie. So it's Nightmare. And Tim Burton even said that it's a Halloween movie. Well, Tim Burton doesn't know fuck about shit because he did Dumbo. So do you want to come at me with (laughs) credentials? It should have ended on the next Halloween. No, no, no. Okay, so Doug, you're going to tell us, is it a Christmas or is it a Halloween movie? Well, I always saw it as like a, as, it's like a hybrid. It's an indica oh, and a sativa. Boo, we need a definitive answer, Doug. Somebody call oh. Adam. No, it's- <laughs> Honestly, like, here's the thing. I always thought it was a Halloween movie. That That's because I what? used to watch it when I was younger. Yeah, we had the, the old clamshell tape. And anytime I looked at it when I was browsing movies, I always thought of it as a Halloween movie. So wrong. Santa's but- fucking, Santa's fucking scary in it. I always thought Santa was the creepiest character in that. His eyes are a little buggy, right? Yeah. Uh, Dude's definitely done meth more than once. No, he's got like that <laughs> apple bottom. So, apple bottom with like two <laughs> and the legs. boots with the fur. Out. That's right. Yeah, the b- apple bottom jeans, boots with the fur. So. Oh my god, they wrote that song about him. That's great. So a couple weeks later, I have to. I'm contractually obligated to mention this. RoboCop three came out November fifth. Fred Decker movie. So I have to say it. Sorry about it. I honestly don't know how we got onto Monster Squad and RoboCop in like the first fifteen minutes. Doug did Monster Squad this time. I didn't do it. I didn't do that one. That's why I had to crowbar RoboCop in. I was yeah, trying to reference those the kids. Yeah, the look where it just glossed over. You're like, great. He's going to monologue about movies that everybody's seen and nobody cares about. No, of course not. Yeah, and and the Ernest movies, I could care less. How fucking dare you? Ernest Rides Again, November 12th, 1993. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was an autumn day. No. I don't remember it at all. I don't remember yesterday. Oh, Ernest Rides Again was great. I Actually, that was one of my favorite ones besides the one where he goes to jail. For what? Selling meth? Because that's what he looks like he would do. Okay. Do not talk that way about Jim Varney on my podcast, okay? (laughs) That man was a fucking saint, and he was in Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain, I'll have you fucking know, with the Hulkster. Yeah, of course. Oh, my God. I have to rewatch that. Don't. It's really bad. Goldie Hawn is haunting in it. Is it Goldie Hawn? I can't remember. Yeah, I was going to say, no, Jim Varney's great. I was going to say, but even though I've never, you know, never met him, but I always feel like if he were, if I were to meet him and talk to him, he'd smell like a cigarette. That's Yes. That's why he died of cancer. It was Lonnie Anderson, who I was thinking of. Excuse me. Oh, my God. I didn't know he died. Now I feel terrible. Yeah. Sorry. You jerk. Well, I did not know I had to look up Ernest. Of all the movies for you to find, you find Ernest Rides Again. Like There were like a hundred movies. Because I love, do you know what I mean, Vern? That dude went viral before viral was viral. Those were stupid ads and he became hugely famous based on it. He was like the Fred or whatever of 1982. Okay. Yeah, with, with talent, though. Bingo. Oh, and then Cannibal the Musical. I don't know what that is. What is Cannibal the Musical? Oh, that's a that's a trauma movie. Or it's uh, that's actually the Trey Parker and Matt Stone. They're the ones that did South Park. So that was like their first, oh. that was their, their college film. And You're trauma kidding. picked it up. Oh, yeah, it's fun. Oh, I have to watch that now. That's great. Yeah. So if you wanted to see like early characters, uh, like developments from from like South Park, just watch that because you'll pick up like a lot of like, oh, this is the Cartman or this one's the, St- the Kyle. You know what I mean? I'm just like, man, this is they really picked up inspiration from this. That's really cool. No, I'm excited about that. But yeah, so runtime, 93 minutes. Is that too long for some people or is that okay? No, because some people watch it at 1.1 speed. So we get a little bit faster. Save that nine minutes. Spend that flicking my bean. Yeah, it is a little. It's, there are times I feel it's a little long, and I don't even know like when. I just I, I try to be cognizant of when I uh, watch something, and I look down at my phone, and then I'm like, oh, I should be looking at my phone. I need to be watching. Yes. This, so I'll tell you when. It's the whole ravine thing because up yeah. until yeah. they get into Riverman's thing, I literally said out loud while I was watching this to no one. 
I'm speaking to my garage because that's what I do now. I just decide I have thoughts and they must be out in the universe. And I go, this is just stuff happening for length. Now I've repeated it for you guys and your edification. Do you think that that is a kernel of truth or... No, I even have it written in the notes here. I think the the sewer the sewer scenes go on for twenty five minutes. Oh, from what I counted, so that's a long time. And there's some good effects in two minutes of that. Yeah, definitely. Another thing too, Dead Alive came out around the same time, so the the effects like when Julie rips the Cholo guy's spine out, that was like the the uncle, uh, Lionel's uncle from Dead Alive. That reminded me of a lot of that. God damn it, I love Dead Alive. Yeah, yeah, such a great movie. And I was thinking the same thing. I didn't realize. Yeah, they both came out ninety. Did it come out ninety three? Was it ninety three? It was, I think it was 93. Yeah. And, and another crazy thing too. 92 actually. So it's even 92. further ahead. And it was in North America in 93. Okay. Yeah. And, and, but the crazy thing is both the movies kind of have a similar plot with, uh, you know, someone trying to take care of someone turning into a zombie and infecting others. So they both have that similarity between the two. And what's crazy. Ah. So brain dead, dead alive, whatever we're calling it. That movie is an hour and 44 minutes, even longer than this one feels like a breeze by comparison because it's always stuff happening of substance of when they're just standing and the girl who's already dead tries to kill herself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Dead Alive is up there. For me, Dead Alive is up there with, with Blood Diner. Like it's just, there's yep. always something going on. Um, If you look in the background, there's all, someone's doing something or there's something weird and it's just, you can watch it over and over and over again. You'll pick up something new, but we're not talking about Dead Alive. We're talking about the return oh, of the true. emo okay. dead. So I actually did the math. The kill count of this movie is 17 dead bodies on screen. And that averages out to one kill every five minutes and 11 seconds. And still a bunch of time feels like nothing happens. Mm, yeah. Well, I was going to say to to its credit, I definitely feel like the um, was the military facility in this one reminds me of the levels in Doom. So if yeah. you remember, yeah, the, the doors open and close. And, you know, since it's Fem Month, I got to give credit to the the not very much mentioned doctor. I guess, you know, she was like a colonel's assistant. The one that takes over, she's like, I'm taking over this operation. Colonel Sinclair. She yeah. Reminded, yeah, yeah. She reminded me a lot of, uh, I don't know if you remember the Ilsa movies. Uh, there was four of them. Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS, Ilsa, Harem Keeper, yeah. the Oil Sheiks. That's what she reminded me. She was like that demented doctor. She's like, I just want to see what happens when I put a drill in this person's head or in this severed arm. I just want to see. Like, she's cruel and sadistic. Funny enough, she was in uh, Sarah Douglas. She was in Strippers versus Werewolves. So kind of in the same vein. I think she was in those Netflix movies recently, The Christmas Prince. I want to say that was her. She's old now. I have yeah. to look this up now because I'm like, oh my gosh, is she the chick from Chick Old Lady? I always know her as Queen Taramis from Conan the Destroyer, but I'm obsessed with mm. those movies as well. Anytime you want to talk about that one's arguably more of a horror movie than the first, arguably less because it's a little bit more kid friendly in instances. We can talk about it or we could do a full episode on it. If you'd like us to let us know at slasherspot at gmail.com. I was filling time for you to do your research, Ada. <laughs> You're You're welcome. so sweet. Okay. I, that wasn't just a shameless <laughs> plug. It also had a, a mechanism there. Uh, yeah. I want to say that that's definitely, that's her. That's Sarah Douglas, right? That's her name. Yep. She was in Beastmaster 2, Puppet Master 3, Meatballs 4, Solar Babies. She did all this horror and she's in a romantic, you know, cheesy comedy Christmas movie, which I find hilarious. But um, she's kind of like a militant person in that movie, too. So. so let's all go back. We're talking about the construct of the film. We'd already kind of touched on Brian. Let's get back to Brian Yesna. This dude's career rules ass hard. Anybody care to walk us through just some of this stuff? I'll start with that he co-wrote Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which I find funny every fucking time. Yeah, I saw oh, I that. I was like, I try to like narrow down movies he directed because I know he didn't direct that one, but that was that's great. I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies growing up. So it's truly terrifying. Like I watched it with my kid and she was like, what? And so I had to keep being like, hey, you're two years old. That's a giant scorpion. It's going to kill this ant. But ants die all the time. I know, but it's so sad. Like you weren't you weren't sad as a kid when the scorpion kills the ant and they stab Auntie and they stab him, and I'm gonna cry thinking about it because he's so sad. So I don't know. Anyways, the only thing that's sad about it is that the ant is a baby. I think that's a little sad. But I love scorpions like probably too much. I was kind of rooting for big boy. But yeah, so but he did society. Butt face. He's really good with body horror. I love that. So one of probably the best endings to any movie is society. And if you haven't seen it, anybody stop what you're doing. I think it's on Prime right now. And just just watch it. It's a little bit of a slow burn. Kind of funny. But at the end, it's just the most ridiculous thing I think I've ever seen in my life. I don't know what you guys think. Well, I mean, it, that kind of came to light because that's just basically the Trump family as a, as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
We feed off the poor, just like you will, Billy. And then, Doug, he also did a movie I think you're pretty fond of, Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, The Toy Maker. And uh, four, for that matter. He did, yeah, it was for The Initiation, which surprisingly has nothing to really do with Christmas, except for like two seconds out of a Christmas tree. You, you want to know what I do have to say about Brian Yesner, though? He always has Clint Howard in his films, and this one didn't have Clint Howard, and I was a little disappointed with that. Wah, wah, wah. So, yeah, with, with Brian Yesner at the helm, I just feel like this is how, um, this is more like his, his remake of Bride of Reanimator, because you get the same things, like you said, the zombies inside the exoskeleton machine. Of course, this one does have a lot to do with bondage, and uh, w- which is nice too. Because if anyone's ever been to Bar Sinister in, in, out in Hollywood, uh, you know this is just a regular everyday thing. You know, if Julie, if they expand more on her character, I'm sure she would be the ones that would, you know, where they put hooks on their back and, and levitate. So I think suspension, that that brings, yeah, dude. yeah, suspension. Yeah, it's it's gory. I mean, I love seeing it, but I pass out every time. So you know. <laughs> Essentially, with the whole Brian Yeston stuff, he loves shocking the audience, and, and that's what I love. Granted, there's not there, there's no humor in this film at all, unless you find Riverman's rantings funny. But uh, other than that, it's, it's it's straight to the point. It's not mean spirited, but it's just it's depressing. You feel doom and gloom for these characters from the beginning, and you want them to survive because they're actually pretty good actors. I thought. Yeah, I agree, and it's really sad. It's it's more it's one of those things where you don't really see these types of love stories really play out in a lot of horror movies. I can't really think of the last time I was really sad about a character I mean I guess a relationship so to speak to save for maybe when Sydney finds out that Billy is the killer it was like the first thing that pops into my head or you know if you're talking mm. about dead alive that's like the, the hokey sweet little love story you know Paquita whatever but you know you don't really get this and you, you're just so sad because you really know in the back of your mind that they can't fix her they're never going to fix her so you already know that she's done then obviously when he gets bit at the end you know it's like a Romeo and Juliet they both go out together type thing that's kind of one of the things that makes Shaun of the Dead so great though is because I had seen this and then I saw Shaun of the Dead and I was like oh that's how you do it you just put her in a fucking shed with a collar on and you can still have your girlfriend man is that inappropriate for women in horror I'm, that's incredibly oh anti-feminist God. whoops like do you remember did you ever watch dead girl i never seen that one dead girls about shiloh fernandez and this other guy that's in a bunch of my indie movies i love they find this zombie out in this like abandoned mental hospital and they like chain her up and they basically just go and rape her like every day ew yeah it's the most like it's like a like you're watching a train wreck it's got some really good effects in it but they're literally just fucking this zombie and then like these other kids find out about it so now all these guys want to go stand in line and like fuck the dead girl but then they start getting like these stds from it anyways if you're into that if you're into necrophilia (laughs) Dead Girl's the movie for you, but that's basically what that is. I was gonna say that makes sense. That makes sense because I've I've always seen I've never seen Dead Girl, but I always see it ranked among those lists of like disturbing movies like Necromantic, a Serbian film, The Untold Story, and I always see Dead Girl added on the list. So I guess it's considered an extreme film. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Great poster, I'll say that. It's interesting. I I wouldn't say it's like the Serb well, I've never seen a Serbian film, but I don't think it's as bad as that. Like you can sit through it. It's not it's I I don't think there's a part where I felt offended. I mean, yeah, they're raping her, but she's dead. Is that, I don't know. Anyways. I'm still going to skip this one, but you all can enjoy it and put it on your lists and stuff. I'll mail it to you because I have it. This guy I used to date, like did a bunch of horror cons and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he like, he brought that as one of the movies back for me. And he's like, please don't think I'm a horrible person. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So I watched it and I don't think I called him again after that. So at least he had the wherewithal to like, no, I shouldn't be doing this, but you like horror. So why not? Because I certainly wouldn't want it in my collection. So I'd probably pawn it off to somebody else as well. I know I have it. So if anyone wants it, Doug, if you want it, send me your address. Oh, yeah. Let's do a giveaway with the Patreon patrons. The first Patreon patron to email us at slashespot at gmail.com will get a mailed copy of adrian's dead girl and funny enough dan was looking at all the movies and he's like oh we'll watch a scary movie and he came across that one he's like what about this one i'm like put that back <laughs> you don't want to watch that one put it back shit's cursed i know so whoever wrote that must have been a real perv you know who wrote this oh back on topic written by john penny he also wrote the kindred which isn't bad apparently this dude has gone out and said hey the original ending of this movie mimicked the ending of the first a lot more 
because it actually took place in a cemetery. I actually don't like that element of it because that scene, the send more cops, send more paramedics, it's so iconic, right? What I do think that, you know, it's you introduce the whole military industrial complex ending there makes more sense to me. Which do you guys think? Would you rather have it the way it is in the film or going back to the cemetery? I'd rather have it the way it was here because it it, it changes it up because you got to think too, besides the besides the barrel zombies in this film, there's no graveyard zombies. It, it's just people getting infected, which is different for like how the first two Return of the Living Dead were. They were great. They were coming out of the graves. This one, you don't get that. It's just barrels, the, the barrel people, and then the um, infected people. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Because it doesn't make any sense for them to go and end up at a cemetery. Why would they end up there in the first place? You know, his main goal was to go to Seattle and get a place by the water and, and get in a band and have her come party with them, which I thought was hilarious and adorable and so sad because really, how are they going to afford a place on the water while he's just in a band and just have her just come party all day with them? Like that was their goal, which was so sweet because yeah. that's really what teenagers think that money just comes from nowhere. So, it's And that's the most unrealistic part of this movie that it includes exoskeletal zombies. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I do have to say, too, what about this film, too, kind of like how Joey uh, did it in Friday the 13th Part 5, where the whole movie kind of spirals out of the control because of a candy bar. Uh, this one spirals out of control because she was hungry for the D. She was playing with his balls, and, and he got too excited, and they fly off the, the motorcycle. So don't play with balls when you're driving with a motorcycle. And that's the moral of the story. Well, you know, she's she's the type of character that, you know, is exercising her uh, sexual agency, right? So she's doing all mm-hmm. of these things that in horror movies, girls are punished for. And so she mm-hmm. does it. And who gets punished? She's the one who flies off and gets, you know, goes into the telephone pole and dies. But I will say he does try to dissuade her from doing it. You know, the Aesop fable here is, A, stop. This is the Aesop fable. Because if she would have listened and not persisted, she'd be alive. He could have pulled over and gotten a quick one and then got back on and then left. He decided to just keep going. He was mad at his daddy, being a little bitch about it, just riding off. Like oh, he had a rage boner and- is what you're saying? Right. Yeah, he did. I mean, you guys know all about that, I'm sure. I don't know. Rage boners? <laughs> Never. I ever... Every day of my life. (laughs) Special effects makeup by Kevin Brennan, Steve Johnson, Chris Nelson, Timothy Ralston, Wayne Toth. You got motherfuckers in here. Kevin Brennan did work on An American Werewolf in London and Mm -hmm. The Howling in the same year. Thriller, Videodrome, Night of the Demons, of course, the penultimate Ewoks, The Battle for Endor, Steve Johnson, Species, Blade, Men in Black, Stargate, Lord of Illusions, Chris Nelson, fucking everything. Ralston did A Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Master, Friday the 13th, The New Blood. I wonder where we could listen to an episode about that. Maybe this fucking show. Dr. Giggles, Critters 3 and 4, Giver, and again, gonna go to the same well for the same style of joke, the penultimate jingle all the way, goddammit. What do we think of the special effects? Oh, I loved them. And in fact, all those guys you mentioned, they all worked on uh, they all worked on together, I believe, Army of Darkness. A lot of the, the monsters in, in Return of the Dead 3 reminded me of like the pit monster from, from Army yes. of Darkness. So you definitely get a lot of Army of Darkness inspiration there with the monsters. And a lot of dryness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're good practical effects. And it is a little scary when he pops up when they're, you know, she's getting out of there and he's trying to like carry her out of the room and the whatever the zombie comes out and just pops up out of nowhere and they're screaming. I was screaming. I forgot all about that part. I always catch this movie when they get to the gas station because I used to always watch it on TV and I always catch it when they get to the gas station for some reason. So watching the beginning is always you know fun for me no great practical effects they're fun they're nasty i think any horror zombie person that loves those types of things would definitely be into this one and see why they wouldn't watch it my only complaints like i said i kind of referenced they're a little dry for my taste i think it's probably because tarman or barrel zombie or whatever you want to say in the first one is Mm -hmm. so oozy and drippy and just delicious and then you also have like the bulkiness makes it a little comical it reminds me there was a power rangers villain or something where it was a guy who was like camouflage zombie does that sound or not a camouflage skeleton does that ring any bells 
Not too much for me, but I, but I know where you're going with that because I even have written in my notes here too. They re, they reminded me a lot of with the whole dryness, like uh, like you go through a haunted house, like the Halloween props. Because that one the one barrel zombie where he, where he rips his skull out of the skin, the skull was a little more comical. Like it looked like that skeleton yeah. from uh, Do you remember Halloween Town, that Disney movie, yeah. the taxi driving oh, skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Rito Revolto, who's Rita Repulsa's brother, even though they have different last names. Mm. Well, they have different fathers. Hello, Jay. Come on. Yeah, I guess they're dry. I didn't really notice that. I, I feel like there were so many other things, though, to look at. Just the, the actors, especially the beginning, the actor who did the first zombie that they're experimenting on. It was just creepy. So I feel like the actors in the makeup sort of cut it together. Yeah, he's good. His, his body he's really good. are really good, but he's just so dusty looking. It just, for some reason, it, the dustiness is like a sterility. Like, I've never found mummies particularly scary at all or anything like that. Maybe like in Monster Squad, he's so frail, it's kind of silly. But like, there's, there's a certain degree of like dryness where I'm like, what are you going to do? Dust queef on me? Get out of here. Uh, well, th- there is a mummy in uh, in the movie Waxwork that I think it, he like steps on people's heads and crushes them. So that's a pretty violent mummy. Speaking of Waxwork, you got Anthony Hickox from that movie was in this one. He's one of the scientists who gets killed in the scene with the dusty zombie. Boom! We just broke the matrix. <laughs> uh, well, I, I do have to say too, like, like with the whole um, with the whole violence in this film, like, for me seeing it for the first time uncut. Yeah, when the, when the when the scientist gets his his three fingers bitten off, and then he gets bitten in the leg, and all the the two scientists are like getting chewed up and then the the um the colonel the dad and all the other people behind the window like oh my gosh we need to lock it and it's like oh well there you go that's that's how uh, corporate america is they see the workers burning down and they're like oh no what are we gonna do and they, yet they can just easily open the door and let the guys out they're like no that's okay we'll just let them all get ripped to pieces it's fine and how am i gonna explain this to my boss huh they signed a waiver it's fine Mm-hmm. I, he just like, and then he just gets transferred. Like that's his punishment for all of this. Like, oh, you're just going to have to go somewhere else and whatever. I'm sure things like that happen or I'm sure things don't happen like that ever. Right. Yeah. You better change that tone real quick, Missy. You're going to end up with a black hood over your head and zip tied in the middle of the night, taking off and disappearing. Going to be calling in next week and be like, where's my co-host? Who's going to introduce the goddamn show? You're going to be in Guantanamo. Well, you know, we are going to Dominican Republic in a couple of weeks. So if I don't come back, you know what happened to me? Anyway, so cast, why don't we talk about the cast? Because this is femme fatale. So maybe we should get into our, our lovely Melinda Clark. Yay, nay. She was a total milf on the show with the sad boy. From Chino, which is the shits. <laughs> yeah, listen, that, that is literally my show. I mean, I was the same age. The show started, I was the same age as them in the show. So I grew up with that show throughout high school. Oh, yeah. And I, oh my God. And the fact that her, she has the same name, like her name is Julie in the show and her name is Julie in the movie. Like, did Julie make it? And then just like marry this rich guy in the OC and actually got to live on the water and live her best life. Like, who knows? That's a great sequel that I would love to see. I actually agree with you. I think that the first season of the OC is delightful. And I knew I was going to like that show because in the pilot episode, what makes Ben McKenzie and Seth, whatever is Nebrody, whatever the guy. Adam Brody. Adam Brody. What makes them friends is the game Dynasty Warriors, which fucking rips if you've never played it. So there you go. I know. I just thought they were both really hot, so that's why I watched it. She was also in Spawn and Killer Tongue. Killer Tongue has won Robert England and Doug Bradley, and that's the only thing that movie has going for it. Uh, well, I do well, have to I, say too, her her um her hair dye that always gave me a thing. I know her hair dye was hot tamale. How do I know that? I don't know, but I could just tell. And uh, <laughs> so it's a funny thing with this is that when I when I met my girlfriend, she had the same hairstyle that Julie had, and I even said, "Oh, you ever seen Return of the Living Dead three? It looked like Julie on there." How romantic! Yeah, she's like, "Oh, no, I never seen it." So there was another movie night we had uh, before we got together, but uh, yeah. I said, yeah, keep that hot tamale color. That You're going full Julie. And did she keep it or is it totally changed? Now? She still has it to this day. Uh, she she dies oh, when she basically when things open up again. But uh, yeah, hot tamale is the color. So if, for any of you uh, people out there who wonder what her hair dye color was, it's hot tamale. So if I may, sexually promiscuous or at least inclined lady, red hair, vivacious. I like to think. This is this is how I, if I'm going to connect it to the mythos of Return of the Living Dead, I do it this way. Trash 
had an illegitimate child that she put up for adoption. And that's why she got sassy. Who did she, who fathered this child but an old, crusty man, possibly a professor or something, and they had to give away the baby in a fit of shame. So that's why she wants to be devoured by men, which is the vessel of her shame and self-loathing for giving up this baby who ends up being kind of slutty and grabs a dude's dick and dies. This is Trash's illegitimate daughter. Yeah, that would explain a lot. But I mean, hey, for for you know a, a femme fatale like this here, I think she was one of the first because she's she's like the punk main character, and yet you're rooting for her, even though she's like you know sticking things in her arms and ripping people's brains out. I think she's a badass to the end. So I, I really like Julie a lot. She should be more of a horror icon. You know, uh, Funko should start making Julie pop figures. That would be pretty cool. With nips. With nips, oh. yes, with nips and and safety pins in her nipples. <laughs> The thing that bothers me, though, is her going back with him. I think that if you're going to waste my time with the whole scene where she tries to commit suicide on the bridge and she's like, why did you do this to me? The fact that they get back together almost undermines her as a femme fatale to me because she's directly with the man. But I'm obviously ill-equipped to talk about femme fatalism. Aid, what do you think? Okay, well, I disagree with you. Respect. Because I feel that she is not relying on him so much as that he won't leave her alone so she's in a cage and he liberates her at the end but she was trying to get away from him even then she was like just let them take me and then she goes and he just keeps he won't fucking leave her alone if he didn't if he had left her alone he wouldn't have let out all of those zombies they wouldn't have had to torch the place and she'd still be hanging in that room doing whatever she should have killed him then he lets her out then she eats him and she goes i don't need you you don't define who i am i'm a w-o-m-y-n because i'm not diminutive of a man true but and you also have to remember too the they're supposedly like 17 years old right so this is i know that yeah like, for sure they're they're children so this is their, this is how, you know, you always fight. You don't remember in high school, like, I fucking hate you. We're breaking up. And then five minutes later, oh my God, I love you so much. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, so that's, that's normal. But again, he doesn't leave her the fuck alone. He did all of this and he should have just let her die. He didn't leave, he didn't let her die. And she killed, tries to kill herself again. He didn't let her go float away. And she gets captured and he has to go get her again. Like he's the one who's like not leaving her alone. Like he's the, he's the typical like guy that, and I don't want to say, I, this is terrible for me to say, but I'm just going to say it's Femme Fatale Month. But there are some guys that don't leave you the fuck alone. Like they're just always around. Like it doesn't matter how mean you are to them, how you treat them. Like you could just, you know, yell at somebody all day long and they'll still fucking come back for more. Like I am trying to get you to go away and you're not doing it. So that's him. It's all. Isn't it frustrating in media though? Because so often men who are persistent are perceived as winning a woman over for every time. Imagine a scenario. Imagine a dude on your porch with a fucking boom box. You would be like, that's embarrassing. Fuck off. That's one of the reasons I love mast intruder, that band. They make a parody of that where she's literally like, dude, you're fucking creeping me out. I'm calling the cops in that same situation because so often these guys like just keep going and going and eventually they win the girl over in real life. That's fucking awful. No, no, it is. It is terrible. And honestly, I mean, I used to one of my good friends back in the day, he used to like date girls and like she'd be like, oh, I'm sick. I don't feel like going out. And he's like, I'm going to go get her soup. I'm going to go to her house. I'm going to do this. I'm like, no, don't do that. She doesn't want you there. She's probably not even sick. Like, don't fucking go. Like, why are you going to go sit on her porch and bring her shit when she said, no, I'm sick. I'll see you later. The thermometer in her mouth is another man's wiener, not yours. Get the hint. If that could have been the case. I don't know. I'm just trying Might to also be a rectal thermometer. <laughs> <laughs> maybe in her armpit like a baby i just i i don't understand like i feel and i feel maybe you're right and i i you have to be right because why would some guys do go out of their way to do these things because i feel like at the same time they want to be perceived as the nice guy i'm a nice guy the I'm ducky the nice guy, if you will the ducky and she's still a bitch to me no she's just not interested in you i'm sure there's a girl that's going to be interested in you or a guy even it doesn't matter it's you know it's 2021 we're all fluid right like just somebody will love you i promise if somebody says no i'm not interested do not show up at their fucking house the boom box or go let them out of a, a a lab and you know let it torch and burn up whatever just don't do that that's that's my advice yep so my question for you do you think kurt was more it, do you think it was more of a love thing or do you think it was more of a simp thing Ooh, that's actually a good point. 
Because you think about it, because they get in that little sputtle in the sewers where she's like, why didn't you just leave? And he's like, fine. He's like, look at yourself. You're disgusting. And you know yeah, what I mean? And like, well, you're the one that energy. brought him back. Yeah, that's that's what, that's the incel, uh, you know, simp energy that you get on Reddit. But uh, yeah, he's just he's like, why would you bring me back? I didn't want to. You're fucking disgusting. I'm like, I'm like, man, I feel bad for her. You know, yeah. that's that's rough. what I mean. Like, she suffers. She's so long suffering that I feel like the catharsis is her going, you know what? I'm going to eat your brain. Yeah. You did all this to me. You're the one driving the motorcycle. You're the one reviving me without my consent. You're the one who's not putting out. I eat your brain. Yeah, because you got to think he Kurt's pretty selfish. I mean, he even got the Riverman killed and the Riverman was just minding his own business. Riverman. I want a comic book series about him. Yeah, there's it's a, a lot bird. of it's a plane. It's Riverman. Well, I mean, there's a lot of lore you can do with Riverman because uh, there's got to be a whole backstory with him in New Orleans because remember, he gives him that I love it. Like, yeah, he's like, here's a coin. I got this in New Orleans. You know, someone did a good thing for me. Here's the coin. I'm going to give this to you. Now you go do a good deed for someone or help someone when they're in need. So I'm like, there, so there's there's a big backstory to him. And it's not, you know, nothing's explained. But, you know, that would be a good uh, spinoff. You know what? When he opens the door with his exoskeleton and lets him out, he should have given them a second coin because that's an extra nice thing that he did. Yeah, he's that character. Should, they should have had more time with him in a better scenario mm-hmm. situation instead of all of the other things. There's just, at one point, there's just too much going on. It's like all the Hispanic people coming after them. You know, there's just like everything's coming to a head, which is nice because then we get all of those dead people, right? And so we get all of these zombies. So it's nice to have those characters because they're expendable. But at the same time, I introduce such a complex character and then we spend at virtually no time with him. Yeah, the introduction is so unique where he just comes up and starts rambling and then you're suddenly like friends and he is this kind of sage wisdom out of lunacy and he's the most interesting character in the whole movie and he even has like the best ending. I don't know. I really get let down by, you know, the archetype around him. But that that coin thing is super cool. I really really would have loved to see that that coin play for that's i think if anything the reason that they died that makes it tragic is that you don't see you know return of the living dead part four where it's him paying it forward yeah and i do have to say too i wrote this in the notes here but no wonder the la's like well you jake you know but adrian the the la city uh the rivers here are really dirty and i don't think they're ever maintenance at all so when he goes down like you know riverman has his whole house it's all like he's got the christmas light lit up and everything and it's it looks cozy and he's like oh this is the pump room and i'm like well no kidding you know uh socal uh you know workers they never go down and clean it so yeah the pump room might as well be a rent-free place we never get fucking rain why would they no so yeah so hey if anyone needs a place to stay the pump rooms are apparently free to take in, in los angeles and also if you're a ninja turtle you could just come to la and it would be just like your new york subway abandoned station home mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there are people living there already so <laughs> maybe they'll get a, a podcast listening down there who knows if they get any free well yeah, I mean, you make it out. I, I live, I live down in the pump room. That was that was cozy as shit. Yeah, dude, that bed was orthopedic, right? <laughs> For the most part. <laughs> so that uh, speaking of orthopedic, this dude's spine must be pissed off because the like the whole exoskeletal suit that he wore. 75 pounds. That's about how heavy the suit was that Arnold Schwarzenegger wore for Mr. Freeze. That's insane. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they did some uh, they did some effects, too, where it's like uh, like when he's getting his arms and uh, torso blown off. They did it, the effect where it's like it's a fake wall and they have his head sticking out. So, you yep. know, just sitting there for a while, you're doing like this. This weird position where you're bending over on your knees. I imagine doing that for hours. I'm like, man, that the guy who played, uh, you know, Riverman is probably his back is probably still hurting right now. It's basically like being in the stocks. If you've ever gone to a Ren fair and you have the thing where people throw, that's basically what he did for that effect. And so would fucking suck. Yeah. Another thing to note, too, I actually felt really bad for the zombies in this film, like when they're all in the cages at the end, you know, Julie's strapped up with just the humiliating leather straps around her. And then you have the one guy who looks like Ron Jeremy in a cage. And then you have yeah. uh, you know, Riverman. I'm like, man, this is the one movie where I feel bad for these zombies. I love the accordion neck on Santos, though. And it, it, it's so fun when it reappears. You know, it feels like nothing's being wasted here. We're all going to recycle a very universal soldier. If you will. And what's funny is Mm -hmm. some of these guys even worked on Universal Soldier now that I think about it. Yeah, there's a lot of talent mixed in here. I honestly feel this is really great for a sequel. This is really great movie. There's really not much safe for, you know, maybe too long that there's really not much bad I can say about it. And and 
I mean, how fucking hot is she when she comes out with all this shit on her? What other movie do you have where it's just, it's so nasty and like fun and just like, she is so badass when she just like emerges as this, I, I can't, I don't even know like what you would call her. I mean, I, she's not really a zombie yet. Right. Well, I guess she is. She's dead. She's still yeah. talking. and She doesn't have like a anything wrong with her yet as far as eating people. Her self mutilation. And I, I don't think this is intentional. I think it's just my stupid brain that does like the same five references that people are probably sick of when she's like gouging her hand. It reminds me so much of Roy from Blade Runner when he's like starting to shut down and he's literally like doing this Christ stigmata symbolism to try and stay conscious and, and get the one last thing. That's kind of what it reminds me of uh, as she's trying to like fight necrosis and rigor mortis. So I really like that element of it. And I think it's cool that you don't really see a history of self-harm or anything before that. I think that would really cheapen it because it's not that she's like an emo girl. Like there's a point and purpose to this that's separate and apart. So you kind of get to have that aesthetic, but also have it be a story element. So I like it. And I really love the brow piece. I mean, she had like a hundred prosthetics. And so for each of those, to look as good as it was with no seams, I was really happy yeah, with. Yeah, they what did they say? It was like 10 hours. I think they shaved it down to six. And then beauty makeup on top of that. That's nuts. Yeah, and I was going to say, too, with all that makeup and stuff, um, what Brian Yuzna did, and I feel like he, if you watch some good directors and stuff like that, he basically showed off all the prosthetic pieces like when she reveals herself with the light coming down, um, it does like a slow pan from the rock. And then you see like her arms and close ups and she's moving like a cat. And, uh, you know, without saying anything or without even explaining anything with like close ups and stuff, just those little movements and the camera angles. It just kind of tells the whole story. It's like, oh, you inserted all these here without explaining anything. And I think that was a really good directing part on Brian Yuzna, how you can tell a whole story just by a few quick camera angles. And then when she does that whole look up thing, it's like, man, you know, this why is she not an action figure or something yet? You know, that would be an awesome if they made some sort of, you know, collectible of her. Yeah. Like a McFarlane toys, like fancy ass NECA toy or something. Yeah. Because right? sadly, I just feel like Return of the Living Dead 3 is just like the, the redheaded stepchild. Everyone kind of forgets about it. And like, oh, yeah, that movie. And it's like, no, she literally is redheaded. Good yeah. Job. See, there you go. Well, hot tamale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she's great. I, I there is nothing about her look that I can say that is right. Just even, I love how, and her legs, her legs are cut in between like the rips in her stockings and just, it's just so pretty. Like there's just something so beautiful when you look at her and, and I don't mean beautiful and, and obviously the normal sense of the term, but just. She's not Aubrey Hepburn. No, no, but she's just, there's a grace to it. Like when you say she's walking like a cat, she's just very like. Once she's in her own skin, it just kind of all works and it comes together. I always just look at her and as a woman, I, there is nothing more that I appreciate another beautiful woman. And just that look to me is just gorgeous. I don't know why. Don't ask me if I'm a weirdo. Probably am. <laughs> but even like, I don't know. There's just, it's a good look. I think it's great for cosplay. I'm surprised I haven't seen more of it, but I didn't even Google it. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I've never seen anyone really cosplay that outfit. That would be really cool though. Cause like I said, that whole look, uh, you know, Pinhead would look in it and start waxing his carrot in the corner or something. Cause you know, Dan, that's a lot of, um, a lot of self torture, but it's, but it's, it's weird. Cause it's self torture. But it's erotic in a way. I can't really explain it. I'm seeing a bunch of cool cosplays, but usually it's like people at home, which I completely understand. Because when you have a hypersexualized cosplay, very often it yields poor results at cons and stuff. So I can't blame a woman for not being like nips out. Well, I mean, you don't have to even have that out. Uh, just even her makeup, everything on her face. And if you got a leather jacket, there's a lot of good elements to this. And I love the fact that she doesn't have the normal overly thin bony type look to her as so many of like, they've got huge boobs, but they're like stick thin, right? She doesn't really have that traditional look to her. So she's a normal, in my, my opinion, a normal looking woman in this and she she looks amazing so to see other women do that i would love to see more of that i feel it's sad that i think it's sad that we live in a society that if there was a woman who actually came out and looked as amazing as that at a con that there would be some issues with that that's really sad it'd be a great thing to cosplay for sure Oh, it would be. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the, uh, the, the boomer parents, uh, you know, they're like, if you get a piercing or a tattoo, you're going to look like that. You know what I mean? Like that's one tattoo, one piercing. They're going to end up looking like uh, Julie. You know what I mean? I think that was the mentality back then. Yeah. Yeah. So This is like a cautionary tale. Like 
stay in school or you end up like Julie. And it's like, Julie's badass. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> and also, I mean, if I can, I just really love that she doesn't look like a fucking zombie. You know, she doesn't look green. She doesn't look exact same copy and pasted as stuff before. I don't know. It's I just really love that it's not the same because there's she looks unique and it catches your attention and you're in, immersed in her like developing. You know, it's like uh, it Red Dragon when he's like, I am becoming like that kind of thing where she is metamorphosing. And another thing, too, I, I feel like her perform like if, if you watch this movie besides like her becoming a zombie and, and just kind of like turn your brain into something else. I feel like this is how it is. Say you're in a relationship with a drug addict, someone who's addicted to meth, someone who's addicted to heroin or something. She kind of acts like that. It's like, I just need a fix. You don't understand. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like, you know, maybe she portrayed it on, uh, you know, how, how it would be with a drug deal, you know, with a drug abuse or something. I think that's really important when it comes to the scene at the gas station when he's like, Hey man, don't you feed her? And he's like, fuck off like it's not fucking funny and because i think that juxtaposition boom with the like drug addict like so often people aren't appreciating the struggle on both sides it's painful to watch somebody go through those things and a lot of people are very dismissive and they're not very supporting and they're you know she's the butt of a joke and he's like no like this is this is serious this is her life and death this is pain this is something she's going through and then he immediately like lashes out which i think is reasonable then he's like basically cuckolded by the you know other guys and and also if you want to say that or it could be an abusive relationship like these people don't know that for them to say something like that then maybe he doesn't feed her right so there's that element to it as well like she's acting just completely out of control in public And these people are just laughing and, you know, they don't really seem that dangerous and until they, you know, obviously pull out the gun and shoot the poor clerk or whatever, but they're just a bunch of idiots at a fucking gas station playing a video game. Like, who are these people? So yeah and they're outwardly misogynist to the woman who's with them because it's like i don't care what you want toots we're gonna be playing level seven yeah she's like i want to go i'm hungry and 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 the one guy his name's moco and which moco is is booger 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 in spanish yeah yeah so yeah how do you guys feel in terms of the pantheon of first we'll do the return of the living dead series but then just in terms of zombie movies in general how do you think this movie holds oh, up? Oh, I think it definitely holds up on its own. It, it it's it's a very strong film just by itself, and and it, it expands upon the whole two four five trioxin lore because I feel like that's really what it because uh, you you don't even have to watch any of the other you know the first two Return of the Living Dead's and you could totally watch it by itself because it just kind of expands upon you know what if the first one didn't happen and that that trioxin was inside this lab used because really it makes the other two uh, non-existent and yeah I think just by itself you get that haunted if you want that haunted house effect like where you're going through and you see like the the dry monsters this has got plenty of that and uh it's it's a different film where it makes you feel bad for the zombies so i think this is this is very strongly up there i don't think it's as good as the first one but then again they're two completely different animals i I feel like this is something this is like white chocolate versus dark chocolate and i you know they're both good they're both chocolate so yeah and i agree i did i did feel bad for the zombies at the end and there's really no other i don't think there's another movie that makes you feel well maybe warm bodies but that may not hold up as horror for some of listeners so but you do really feel badly for them at the end because you know that they're being experimented on like why can't we just let them die that's really sad that these bodies are just being like that and even elements of the walking dead show stuff like that because there's a lot of people who like will sit and let them hang and just let them starve and rot in the trees and so they can laugh at it and throw things at it and and to me it's just let it let it die don't leave it i don't know i completely agree if you look at george a romero and you look at the movies he did later day of the dead land of the dead it becomes very sympathetic to these guys it's not so much that they're monsters look at bub Mm -hmm. you know like he's a man who is afflicted with death i think one of the most compelling parts of the original is when you have the rotting zombie who says that eating brains stops the pain of rotting jesus that's intense for a movie that's got that much silliness to it right and so again like seeing these vivisected tortured souls quite literally i think is really interesting and manifest it makes you again frustrated obviously it's a higher cost to have that many you know practical effects and everything but it makes you wish you had more of that and less of the ravine yeah and and th- this is one of the few films where like focus it like the main character is a zombie and and the thing is it reminded me of a uh for some of you who may know back in the xbox one like the original xbox days i used to love this game called stubs the zombie where basically i love stubs yeah great soundtrack. yeah and the thing is you eat brains in that too is a great soundtrack but you actually 
you feel bad for Stubbs. And then the thing is, like Julie, you're going around eating brains and you kind of build your own zombie army. And that's what this movie reminds me of. I'm like, oh, I remember Stubbs the Zombie. I feel like playing that again now because it, Julie reminds me of that. It's a regular zombie, but you feel bad for him. Yeah, for sure. I would be remiss if we didn't get into why she's femme fatale. So I just wanted to kind of read my blurb a little bit. Yeah, let's finish it with that. I watched, I rewatched this movie again, obviously. I've seen it so many times and it always resonates with me and I never really realized why it resonated with me until I became older because I was watching this and I was probably watching this like nine or ten years old on TV and I probably should not have been watching this movie so Julie is sort of a transformation right just like you know we were talking with Ginger Snaps how she's going through a transformation she's she's becoming an adult thing with Julie, she has a rebirth that causes her to crave brains when she wakes up. She inevitably attacks and eats several people. So that's what makes her femme fatale. She's killing people, she's eating them, etc. But it's not just that she kills people, it's her transformation or her quote-unquote metamorphosis. She spirals out of control and modifies much of her body in an attempt to relieve herself of her hunger. So she doesn't, you know, self-mutilate because she's an emo girl like we discussed. She has to, right? It isn't until Julia changes her entire look that we see just how savage she can be. And Melinda Clark plays her absolutely beautifully. I was reading a lot of reviews that don't that didn't like her and didn't like these characters. And I was just floored by that because I disagree with that wholeheartedly. You can disagree with that. That's fine. Julie is a killer and she has her vulnerable moments. She plays her vulnerability so beautifully, especially when he's calling her disgusting, telling her these terrible yeah. things and she's trying to kill herself. She can play all these different facets. And as a woman, we have to encompass, like we have to be strong. We can't be upset. And then when we're upset. We get yelled at for it. And you know, you're being a little bitch, you know, those are, those are or hysterical, hysterical right? for no reason, you know, and he, he's basically gaslighting her. He fucking did this to her. And I think at some yep. point he does feel badly and that's why he goes to get her, right? But it, whatever, we're reaching for Kurt because he's also that asshole in Pumpkinhead Part 2. So I can never like totally love him either. So, But even before Julie's death, she still has no problem with asserting her sexual agency, like I said before, which I could argue is the cause of her death. So I don't know if this is really a warning if the movie is trying to use that same trope that, no, you shouldn't have sex, you should stay a virgin or you're going to die. But she dictates her relationship with Kurt a lot of it because she gets him to steal the cards. She gets him to do all of these things. So she is in a lot of control in some ways in this relationship. He's happy to follow her. Like I said, he follows her around like a fucking puppy. I don't think that's good for her, but it is what it is. Well, it's also not like an emotive love. She's not getting him to do this to get the card so that they can go have a fucking picnic. It's so they can be naughty. They can be erotic. They can be thrilling. And so she's the sexual aggressor. And because of that, she has to die and she has to die violently. Exactly. It's unfortunate that the only thing that ever really happens to him is that he gets bit at the end. Big fucking whoop. But they both die together, which I think is, again, is so beautiful in and of itself. He at least go. He still follows her even to death. Still can't leave her the fuck alone. So there you go. There's my take on it. I completely agree. She is the exact same situation as Ginger from Ginger Snap. Her sexuality is directly tied to the mechanism of what's going on. You have one who's reaching her sexual prime, and that is manifest when it comes to lycanthropy. And this, her sexual proclivities are what cause everything in this movie. Think about it. She doesn't honk his dick. They go and they just live a life. But now you have the potential for nuclear war and eradication if you follow the process from the first one because she wanted to honk a little ween. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, she has good saliva because remember, she licks that card to get in. The card wasn't working. She licks it. I'm like, oh, so she has strong saliva. <laughs> Maybe she was like a mutant before. Maybe. But yeah, what I did like about this film, too, and there's not a lot of characters like that, but I dug it for Julie because she was she was the one that had the cojones in the relationship. She was the one that was really pushing, you know, Kurt. And like I said, it was more of like an erotic fun thing. But I like that type of character where it's like, OK, the, the, the woman's telling the man what to do. That's the thing what to do, but just kind of initiating the fun. And that's just me. So I, I think, uh, you know, it's 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 very um, transgressive for its time, because at the time you really didn't get a lot of films like that. Not until like afterwards where you scream and all that started coming out. I like the love story. I like all of the elements about it. I feel like it's a good watch. It's only 93 minutes, so it's worth it. Uh, it you, you could usually stream it on Prime, but they took it off for free now, so you'll have to rent it everybody so the cheapest you can rent it for is $3.99 I ended up just buying it on Prime for eight bucks but I, I think it's worth the collection so if you're collecting these types of things and you've never seen it then definitely just buy it 
save it for rainy day. Make sure you get the uncut version too, because there are two versions floating around on streaming. I saw. Yeah, it's a good date night. And movie. I don't think that the I don't think the unrated version amounts to like torture porn or anything. I just think it, it's great effects work and stuff that you want to see. And if you if you like everything, it's just basically an amplified version of what you would have gotten. Yeah, otherwise. it's just more graphic close up. Like on the on my old DVD, it didn't have the after effect of the uh, the, the Asian guy where he was laying on the floor. Like that shot, that's like, man, that's like a crime scene shot. I, that's the one that shocked me the most. And I don't think you got the close-ups of Riverman's uh, arms and torso being blown off. So that's a good effect. And they, they removed it out of the R-rated cut. And it's humanizing, right? I mean, because it's not done in the sense of just like being disgusting and fetishistic. It's like, this is the consequence. This is more of an aftermath thing rather than like a, a process killer, right? So gang, talking about bits and bops and and let's say hypothetically, you were to get zombie gunk on your shirt from like, some kind of special effect like we're talking about in an uncut version, an uncircumcised version, if you will, and you wanted to replace that shirt. Adrian, where would you replace that shirt? Maybe with something, I don't know, looks kind of awesome and badass and has something to do with well, You would show. just go to redbubble.com and look up Slasher's Pod. You'll see our adorable logo at the top. And we have t-shirts, we have mugs, we have leggings, and spreads, shower curtains, water bottles, you name it. If we could make thongs, we would have thongs on there for men and women. I'm still looking into making butt plugs, but that will not be on Redbubble. Jake will sell them from his garage. More like the back of a van. <laughs> Pre, pre-used, right? Is there is there an open box discount? If you want my butt flex on it, it's going to cost you a premium. And it's well worth it, listeners. It's well worth it. Make sure you uh, make sure you buy some merch. And like I said, if we have to go open box, yeah, might as well. It's 2021. And I also want to say that everything is very affordable. Our t-shirts are around $18. So please just take a look at some of the stuff. You might be surprised at what you find. And we make like no fucking money off this specifically so we can make it affordable so this really doesn't benefit us we just really want you to have the stuff that you've asked for and if you want to ask for it you can reach out to us slashespot at gmail.com now doug where can we find friday night action on bmovie tv and this show for instance oh yeah well on this show for slashers podcast follow us on apple podcast google play stitcher pandora streaming we're everywhere just google us you'll find you'll find slashers podcast and you can listen to it for free too isn't that nice and for, yeah. fr- for friday night action uh if you guys have a roku which i strongly recommend roku's got a bunch of great channels and free stuff on there there is a wonderful channel on there called bmovie tv which is absolutely free free and it's all curated a lot of the films you probably haven't seen before and they're just great watches drunk high stoned uh you know you'll have a good time with it and friday night action is uh it's a show i host um every friday it's at 8 p.m on b movie tv and uh jake does make some appearances and i do have for the new episode we just shot we have uh, some the banners for the uh, the new banner that we have unveiled for you from Slasher's podcast, and guarantee you, uh, you will be waxing your hair once you see this poster. So join me on Friday Night Action on B Movie TV on your Roku device at 8 p.m. and uh, you'll see you'll see our little um, self promotion on that, that that channel as well. First, you can follow me at Pathologically Ade on Instagram. This is Adrian saying goodbye and good day.